this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Tom Wall. Tom is the owner of Mitchell Wall Architecture and Design. He believes that a home should represent everything that you are and should fit you like a bespoke suit. I want to use bespoke in everything now. I try to. I mean, if I can use bespoke at least three times it a day, like, it's a good day. This is like my new favorite word. <laughs> when I saw that, I'm like, bespoke. I'm just going to walk around and say it all the time. It's so much better than custom. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like it's it's like totally, it also seems kind of English. Mm. Like bespoke, darling. Right, right. Something Doesn't you would it, get on Seville Row. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. That was an awesome way to put it. So thank, thank you for you. that. Of course. So tell me about your world, Tom Wall. Oh, my world. Um, well, professionally speaking, uh, I own Mitchell Wall Architecture and Design. We're a high-end custom residential co- uh, company. Well, that's at least what we specialize in. Um, okay. We have done our fair share of commercial work as well, uh, the occasional restaurants, things of that nature. Um, and then outside of work, you know, I'm a, a father of two amazing little boys and a, a husband of an equally amazing wife. And, um, you know, trying to keep everything in balance is pretty much what my life boils down to. Gotcha. Yeah. Good. Balance is good. It helps. <laughs> so I, I can't even, I mean, I would just love to think of like the coolest homes. You see these homes, you, mm. look, you, you know, you, you well, look at the magazines and you see all these great homes. And did, did you grow up with this? Well, you know, my father actually started the firm about 42 or 43 years ago. And, uh, you know, he he started this residential design firm, and so I grew up around it. You know, my weekends were spent playing in the basement. And this was back when, uh, you know, architecture firms had a lot of cardboard laying around because of a variety of reasons that I don't really need to get into. But there's always <laughs> a lot of cardboard tubes and cardboard sheets and things like that. And so, uh, you know, I would spend my weekends building armor or building models or, you know, fighting with friends with cardboard tubes or whatnot. So <laughs> I grew up in the firm and, and uh, you know, I think it's impossible to be around something that much and not be a little bit influenced by it. Right. Well, were you awesome with Lincoln Logs and Legos? and? Oh, you know, the, the Legos and Lincoln Logs, sure. Um, when I was applying to colleges, I had a, uh, a college uh, advisor tell me that the worst thing I could do when applying to an architecture school was to mention Legos or Lincoln Logs. Really? Yeah, they say that it just it, it's uh, a little commonplace, and a lot of the professors at the, the collegiate level kind of think it, you know, well, common. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Architects I always imagine architects like going, "I built this awesome thing with my Legos." Yeah. You know. Well, uh, a lot of times when you get those Legos, it comes with the instructions. Right. But now there are uh, there is a, a, a set of Legos uh, that I bought because uh, I still buy Legos. Um, that is uh, all white, has no instructions. It's just a variety of pieces. You know. 2,000 pieces or whatever it is, and it's an architecture set, and it came with this really thick book, and in it are different uh, sections written by famous architects about uh, the theoretical practice of architecture and using Legos in that theoretical practice. So it is literally the architect's Lego set. Oh my gosh. See, because I I totally can see coming in and and someone saying, what's my house going to look like? You're like, well, I built one out of Legos for you. (laughs) You know, for a while I played with uh, (laughs) the idea of doing client gifts that way that you could, once the project was finished, we would have a Lego set of their house. Oh my gosh. You can make custom Legos. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the things I don't know about Legos. Oh, it's it's huge. The world out there. Quite the team out there, don't they? There's a whole underground of people who are doing custom Lego sets. It's a little bizarre. 
Oh, the I, little I have mini a little fix. Lego Leia <laughs> from Star Wars. One of the original ones. Yeah, I, I nice. liked her. I thought she was pretty cool. She so. was. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, this, you are living, I mean, you you live your joy, right? I do. You I do. live your joy. I am excited every day to go to work, most days. What are you working on right now? Ooh, um, right now I've got a couple of really cool things going on. I've got a... Uh, I've got a, a contemporary home that I'm designing in Ladue. Uh, that's a larger home, but you know, lots of glass and concrete and steel, and that's going to be very cool. Um, and then I'm also doing a, a mausoleum that I'm working on right now, which is frankly a, a one of a kind uh, project. I'm, I'm really amazed and, and flattered that I was given this project. And uh, I'm also working on a bell tower for Bellefontaine Cemetery, the historic cemetery in North St. Louis. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of things that I'm working on that are really kind of out of the ordinary, which makes my life that much more interesting. So we got to go back to Mausoleum. Okay. Like, right, <laughs> right. Come on, you can't just say that just and not say anything. It? Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, what? tell me more. What does this mean? Oh, Is this goodness. for like one person or for a whole bunch of... Well, it's a, it's a mausoleum for one family. Okay. Um, so... Uh, it's a prominent St. Louis family, and I do. Well, you of know, course, you have to say, clients, yeah, no, right? no, absolutely not. But. Um, but it will be the first new mausoleum built in Bellefontaine in seventy years, and so uh, not only does it have you know that level of import, but these people have asked me to design um, the eternal resting place for their family and yeah. generations to come. I mean, the, the the responsibility therein is really intimidating. That feels responsible. Well, I it's, mean, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, somebody's house, I mean, they can always sell that and move out. But, right, 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 <laughs> right. This is, this is so permanent and, and, and so indicative of, of those people. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those projects that, that's, almost terrifying to start on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's so interesting. So you do all kinds of things. Not, all kinds of things. Not just homes. No, I'm, I'm designing a, uh, a a TV right now for a client and, and I'm going to have to explain that one. Yeah. Um, you know I'm not going to let you <laughs> off that easy. <laughs> so they want to have a contemporary but uh, mid-century modern influenced home. And so they don't want to just have a flat screen TV on the wall. They wanted right. to have it built into a box that was, you know, something more uh, reminiscent of the 50s, but at the same time contemporary. So I'm building this or designing this TV box for that to go in. So like one of those 50s TVs with the flat screen in it? It was something along those lines. That sounds so cool. It'll be that fun. That sounds very yeah. retro. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Okay, that would be fun. Is yeah. it aqua? <laughs> I think, I of, I think of retro as aqua. Well, yeah, sure. All sorts of colors are, you know, that uh, kind of faded like green. That weird, yeah, yeah, that weird yellow or, yeah, you know. Or brown is always a good one for the Yes, 50s. there you go. So do you have a favorite era that you sometimes pull from or does it just depend on the project? Oh, well, I mean, mid-century modern design aesthetic is, is probably my favorite historical uh, aesthetic. But right now... It's such a cool time to be designing. There's so many different things that we can do now that we could never do before. Combination of materialities and structural advancements and things like this. We can now build like we were never able to build before. Oh, how cool. So it's a lot of fun. Well, and then, I mean, I'm sure there's just amazing design software that just keeps getting better every year and helps people to really understand what the space is going to look like and... Yeah, it's true. There is a lot of design software out there. Um, I think it's very easy to fall into, um, you know, this kind of uh, software abyss where all of a sudden the computers are doing the design for you. Um, it's why I start all my projects still on pencil and paper. Um, gotcha. 
I do eventually get into the computers and we do do virtual reality for our clients. You know, they can put on the headset and see what their kitchen's going to look like before it actually gets built. Fun. Which, um, frankly, a lot of people have trouble visualizing what a project is going to look like just from elevations and plans. Yeah, I would. I would have, I'd be that person. Yeah. I, I need a, like a real visual. Well, and you know, it, it, we've always built models in the field right. of architecture going back to, you know, the, the original architects, but... Um, now we're getting into to more and more detail. You can do these photorealistic renders and you can do these walkthroughs and you can provide all of these things to a client so there's no questions. How cool. Well, listen, Tom, we are going to take a break and we will be right back. So we are back with Tom Wall. And Tom, you were involved with more than architecture, of <laughs> course. You, you, it's, I mean, you're, you're a busy guy. Tell yeah. me about Haven of Grace. Haven of Grace is a charity that uh, I sit on the board of. It is a, uh, essentially, a, it's a, a place for um, pregnant, homeless, teenage women to come and um, to learn life skills about how to uh, properly raise a child, how to care for a child, how to um, get a job, how to maintain a professional lifestyle. It basically teaches them everything they need to know to be a parent and to be you know, a functioning member of society. Um, it's a lot to take on, but we have a wonderful campus where we have uh, on-site residences where you know some of these women can live. Really? And then... Um, you know, some of the people whom, who have uh, come through the Haven have gone on to, to do some really successful things. So it, it's, a, it's a really nice charity to be involved with. That's awesome. I mean, because that's a tough position to be in. A teenage mom, you know, I mean, it, how, how, a lot of those, those women end up being very poor mm -hmm. and very, you know, low education. And so as part of the, if they're living on campus, then they are getting an education. They are the, learning. How, I mean, and you, and you also hear about how they don't know how to feed the baby. They mm -hmm. don't know how to take care of the baby. So they're learning all those skills. Right. I mean, as far as the, the, the education they're getting is more in the care of themselves and of the child. Okay. And in understanding, you know, anything from nutrition to balancing a checkbook. Right. Um, well, but you need that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are like very important skills to right, have. Right. But my, my point being that, that, you know, we're not teaching them Chaucer. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's probably not top of the list probably at not, that time. No. But that's awesome. And, then, and there's a campus for them. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's a really wonderful uh, group to be involved with. Okay. And then I was reading about you were doing something with the St. Louis Public Library. Tell oh, me yeah. about that event. Okay. So my, my wife and I, we, uh, we really like throwing parties. We always have. And, um, one thing that we found ourselves doing more and more is uh, planning galas for charities. And for the St. Louis Public Library, they asked us if we wouldn't mind being one of the co-chairs uh, for the gala. The the When Worlds Collide uh, was the theme of it. It was a uh, it was uh, the library when they hold their gala. It's always themed around some sort of uh, uh, genre okay. uh, of of literature. And so we did atomic fiction, uh, going Love back it. to my you know, 1950s finish, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was really cool. It was a wonderful party. We raised $95,000 for the library. And this is for the uh, downtown branch, the St. Louis Public Library. 
fun. And, uh, yeah, it was a blast. A lot of fun. Well, what were some of the elements of the gala? I oh, mean, my goodness. I mean, the you're doing it in the downtown public library space, so you're really limited in what you can do. Right. You know, they don't want right. to have, you know, open flame, for example, in the middle of a Why historic not? library. I don't know. They're really squeamish. <laughs> it it was, takes away it was the so fun. so bizarre. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. Stifling my creativity. Um, but no, we, we had, uh, you know, uh, wonderful lighting throughout that really kind of transformed the place as well as all these different um, props and, and, and stand-ups and things like that to, to make it feel more of a 1950s atomic era type, you know, alien landscape. The rooms were all illuminated different colors, uh, projections and you know we hired dancers who were all dressed kind of in robot kind of stylization it was a blast it was a good time so do you like the old 1950s science fiction movies at all do you did you you watch like it came from outer space (laughs) when i was a kid we used to watch them like there'd be like this huge spider that was eating the town walking over a model and yeah and it was hilarious because you know back then we're like oh my gosh but really i mean now you look at that and you're like it's just a big spider oh i know i know have crawling over some legos (laughs) right back to the legos um you know, I don't know that much about those movies. Um, I, I'm a big fan of 1950s sci-fi uh, f- fiction. The What's literature your, part. Do you have some favorites? Oh, you know, probably um, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is one of my all-time favorites. Oh, that sounds like... Wow. Well, it's it's, it's thinly veiled <laughs> social criticism of, you know, politi- uh, political parties at the time. Gotcha. Uh, which most of these sci-fi books are. The is a harsh mystery. Uh-huh. And now, now I'm going to speak completely different after I've met you. I'll be saying bespoke and that. So Harsh mistress. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna pick up a yeah, lot I was riding my bike you. to work and the wind was a harsh mistress. <laughs> I just like love that. it. Oh, my gosh. Do you write? Because you're, you. I mean, come on. Everything I, I see about you, it seems like you've got that writer in you. I, I, I have been known. Um, my undergraduate degree is in literature. Okay. Uh, I have my master's in architecture. Um, and I do write, um, you know, when, when the mood hits, and uh, I enjoy it. Yeah, it, it's a nice outlet. What's your wife's name? Megan. Okay, so do you and Megan, do you guys have like the rockin' parties? Like if if you get invited <laughs> to a party at the Walls, you are so lucky because these people go all out. We have two parties a year. Um, one is our pig roast. We do that every summer. Um, do you roast a whole pig? Like we really, do. really? Yeah. That takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'll, but you know what? Like as long as you drink the whole time, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's probably it's better yeah. in the end. Oh, sure. This meat's but awesome. That, that starts around <laughs> seven in the morning is when we uh, get the pig and, and get yeah, it on the coals. because how many hours and, does it really take? Oh, you know, I think it's about uh, an hour per seven pounds, something like that, an hour per 10 pounds. I don't remember offhand. Dang. Um, but yeah, that's always a really good time. And then every Halloween, we have a uh, Walloween. Which is our huge Halloween party. Oh, fun. And that's the one we really, really go all out for. Um, at this point, you know, Megan has, has put an embargo on any new purchases of <laughs> Halloween props. And sometime around August puts me on an allowance so I can't go out and start buying things. But uh, the decorations, lighting, everyone, everything for that party is, is over the top. From inside to outside, it's decorated with animatronics and a, a lot of things that I build myself. Um I've studied a lot of uh, 19th century stagecraft back when these, you know, charlatans were convincing people they were talking to their dead relatives on stage. Oh, a lot awesome. of that technology is 
really helpful in doing a haunted house. And so uh, I do that at my house. Oh, how fun. Okay, so what is your most favorite costume? Like, I'm going to guess you dress up in a costume of some sort. We do. And, you know, of course, you can never repeat. And um, my wife, uh, who's incredibly creative as well, uh, helps me make them usually. But um, I guess two years ago, we went as... uh, David Bowie and Jessica uh, or Jennifer Connelly from Labyrinth. Really, you remember that movie? Yes, I do. Um, there's a scene where they have a a uh, there's a, a masquerade scene, and we kind of did the costumes from that. That was a little over oh, the top cool. and insane. Um, we did Harvey Birdman and Bird Girl, which was a, a little known cartoon from uh, Cartoon Network. Adult I don't. Swim. I got to say, I don't know that one. <laughs> I don't know that one. You know, I think half the fun in doing costumes is having to explain it to someone. Right. Because then you get to feel like, you know, the superiority, like, oh, you don't know what this is? Well, let me tell you. Let me. You yeah, should this be is watching Harvey this. Birdman. You've yeah. never heard of You've it? You've never seen this it's show? It's the coolest it's thing to watch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Why are you at my party? And are your kids in on this? Like, do, are, I mean, for your kids, is like everybody around the neighborhood waiting for the wall kids to show up with their cool costumes? I'll tell you, they, they, I mean... Um, the kids get to pick their own costumes, obviously, whatever they want to be. Um, for Fletcher, my youngest, he is obsessed with sports. This year, he wanted to be a football player. So you try digging up a football helmet for a three-year-old. I mean, that's a hard thing to do because <laughs> no, the liability, they, the they don't make them anymore. One, right? Yeah, yeah right. so uh, we got him jersey, and then we, Megan somehow found these little tiny shoulder pads. It was adorable. Aww. And then Henry wanted to be a monster truck driver. And so Megan found a little, you know, one-piece jumpsuit and sewed a bunch of patches on it and, you know, had it screen printed on the back for Orion Racing. His middle name is Orion. Okay, gotcha. And, uh, His but, middle name is Orion. Yeah. Like oh, the constellation? Uh-huh. Or, yeah. Is that your favorite constellation? Well, the story there, um, my father was a very advanced uh, amateur astronomer. Really? And... Um, Little known fun fact about Tom Wall is that I have been to all 50 states. And the reason I've been to all 50 states is because whenever we would go on vacation, my dad would make us take his telescope. And this thing was too big to just put into overhead compartments. So my mom and sister and I would drive to whatever location we were going to. And my dad would fly and meet us for the vacation, <laughs> but we would have really? his telescope. And so um, some of my fondest memories of growing up were staring through my dad's telescope. And uh, a lot of times he would uh, point out the nebulae in Orion. And, uh, you know, my dad died when I was 19. And so uh, naming Henry, uh, Henry Orion, was a bit of an homage to him. How cool. I love Orion. That's like one of my favorite constellations. And there's a star in there. The Betelgeuse Uh is one of the stars. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of, I was a nerd astronomer kid. Nice. So I was the kid that would wake up at two o'clock in the morning and there, no matter how much snow, I mean, I remember, Mm -hmm. I have a memory of me trudging out in the snow with my little, with my telescope so that I could see, it was the best time to see Saturn. Ah, That's why I was out at this crazy time. And my parents were like, we don't understand her. She does weird things. She gets up in the middle of the night and looks at Saturn. But The the weird people are the fun ones. Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And the reason why I didn't become an astronomer was because it required math. I ah. just wanted to look through the telescope all day right, long. Right. Once I found out you had to do math, I'm like, yeah, that's one thing. It's not going to work for me. become an astrophotographer. That would have been easy. There you go. Wow, I'm not and a very now, good now photographer this, though, either. Look at me, a live face. By it's not the best. <laughs> I'm not good at this. I, and I did, and it's still foggy. I, every single one of my is foggy. I've decided this is my trademark. Maybe foggy it's pictures. Yeah. It's, it's the Mish filter. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
We are back with Tom Wall. It is question time. Ooh. Are you ready? I didn't know this was going to be part of it. Oh yeah, no, it's and it's believe me, you can you can do this. Um, okay, so let's. <laughs> Seven. So how many pets do you have? Ooh, uh, I've got four pets: two cats and two dogs. See, that's a that's a lot of pets. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite pet story? Um, I have a favorite pet. So talk about your favorite pet then. <laughs> well, let's see. I've had Butter since I lived in Los Angeles. Butter. Yeah. She's Aww. a sweetheart. She's my old dog. She's a, a boxer pit mix. <gasps> I rescued her from the South Central Pound. And uh, she's got to be 14 now, even though I don't admit it. Um, yeah, we have a boxer. He's like 13. But boxer, now I, I don't know about boxer pit mix, mm-hmm. but I know with boxers, they're like little people. Yeah. They are people. People that don't have boxers don't understand. <laughs> Well, I, I think like I, I, that can be said of any dog breed. I mean, people who don't have chihuahuas don't understand that. But but are chihuahuas people like? I don't know. I refuse to look at them. Yeah, I got the boxer feels like a per- person. It does. There's a lot of personality there. Yeah. yeah, and they all do that thing with their paw. Yeah, does right? Uh-huh. Does butter do that? They all, the, yeah, yes, of I love it. Oh my gosh! Hi, butter. Um, okay, <laughs> so um, tell me about. Okay, so like all the architects ever that oh. are alive now dead, whichever. All right. You get to have a one hour conversation with one of them. Mm. Who would it be? Oh, that's uh, well, tough. Mies van der Rohe is probably my all time favorite architect. One hour conversation would be difficult. He was German. So um, <laughs> you can have a translator. <laughs> okay, we'll good. give you a translator. Um, but uh, he was, he, uh, him or Corbusier, one of those two guys who was French, but, uh, again, translator, right. Right. (laughs) Um, they're both phenomenal and groundbreaking in, in the field of architecture. In Um, what way? Well, Corbusier was the one who coined the phrase that, uh, a home was a machine for living. And that's something I really adhere to. Um, the idea that, uh, it's got to function appropriately. I mean, so much of what happened at the end of the 19th century in architecture where it was, you know, very ornate and, and not necessarily really functional, but everything was about the way it just looked. It was form over function. Right. But now uh, we, we've begun to understand that you you have to have this perfect balance of the two. Yeah. And that's kind of my greatest pursuit whenever I work with a client is to have a, a home that not only represents their function and, and how they're going to live in the home, but then on top of that, the, the aesthetic form that I can bring to it and my, my education therein and the form that they want. Um, I always tell my clients, I don't have to live in your house. You do. But, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that we develop this together so that we can have that form and function balance. And what's the process? I mean, if, I, if somebody comes in and they're like, hi, I would like you to design my home. Mm-hmm. Are they showing you, I like this, I like this, I like this? Or, or you know, what, what are they, how does it go? Well, you know, it, it, it used to be, um, and I'm saying used to be meaning like the last 40, 50 years, that people would come in with tear sheets out of, you know, magazines right. or photographs of friends' houses, things like that. Um, these days, people use House or Pinterest a lot. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. They probably have a Pinterest board they're showing you. Pinterest board, or uh, I always recommend people use House, H-O-U-Z-Z. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That one is, is such a great tool. But um, what will happen is is they'll put together these boards, and, and I'll look at all their photos and, and be able to kind of uh, distill from that an overall aesthetic that they're trying to achieve. Right. So Cool. Yeah. So you've known me for very little, but if I was like, let's design a house— what what elements would I have in my house designed by Tom Wall? What elements? Um, <laughs> well, a, a lot of it would become uh, boiled down to to how you live. You know, are you married? Do you have pets? Do you have children? 
do you need a mudroom? Do you want a parlor? Do you need a basement? I mean, th- these are all part of the programming right. process, right. which is gotcha. usually a two or three hour long meeting. It's a very intense process where we go through every room of the house, discuss everything you want in that room, and try to figure out exactly what it is you're trying to achieve. Wow. So it is, it's your house. Absolutely. I it's, mean, it's, it's bespoke. It's bespoke. <laughs> Let's bespoke me. Um. So, so, I mean, I'm trying, tell me some of the houses that you've, designed that like were there any that really stand out were like my favorite or mm. I was so happy I did this part or a person came back to you and said oh my gosh this is the best mud room ever <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've had that compliment <laughs> um I did have one client who uh every so often and, and this is kind of the brass ring where it'll happen where um I'll I'll get hit with an inspiration and that inspiration is almost like a wave. And it, 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 it's like I can ride it. And, and I it gets to the point where I've stopped designing and, and the design just kind of creates itself. Ooh. And I'm able to just, by following the guidelines of the inspiration, create everything that needs to be created for the home. And that happens so rarely, but when it does happen, it is something exceptional. And I designed this one house for a family one time and um, they were very spiritual people. And... Um, I developed this entire floor plan philosophy off of uh, biblical numerology, uh, the numbers inherent in the Bible. And then uh, on top of that, um, the different elements of man and the different elements of the Bible and all these things, the the entire floor plan was influenced by the Bible. And I'm not a religious person, but, you know, doing the research on this, I discovered that there is this way that it could all be controlled, this entire floor plan's design. And from that, I was able to extrapolate that this really amazing floor plan, that's the only time in my life I've ever had a client uh, applaud me at the end of my presentation. And that was, that was, that was something special. That's so cool. So you said numerology, like what, what numbers were, like, how did that come into play with the design? Well, I mean, if you were to look up uh, the, what was it, um, I'm blanking on the the Hebrew word for it, but there there is a a specific field of study within the Bible, and especially when you start looking at the Old Testament, right? And you start looking at um, the uh, you know Hebrew letters all have numbers associated with them, and so from there you can extrapolate all this different information. And um, as long as you kind of stick to one idea, you can really start to to develop things from that idea. That's so amazing. <laughs> it was fun. Wow. Oh, how cool. But then, you know, other times, especially with contemporary design, um, you know, it, it comes down to volumes and how they interplay with each other. So not everything has to have a biblical meaning. You know? well, right. No, <laughs> can, I, I, I gathered that part. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, volumes and void. And, and um, I've got two different houses right now that are both contemporary designs that uh, I'm very proud of. And I can't wait to see them both uh, get built. But... And I'm guessing you think a lot. I mean, you probably, do you know about feng shui or is that just like a natural thing for you? Do you know what I mean? Because like my mom like has never studied feng shui, but my mom has a way of decorating her house that you just know the energy is moving and every it's got like the right elements in every single room. I mean, it's, it's probably just natural to you, right? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> feng shui. <laughs> we had a client who was very... Um, Interested in feng shui and, and, and demanding in feng shui. Ooh, and um, that seems I, I, weird together. <laughs> well, I, 
Hey, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> okay, but gotcha. um, my uh, my associate uh, Rachel, who who is working closely with her, um, I think pulled out almost every hair on her head as a result of trying to meet the feng shui demands. But um, I mean, there there are certain things that that in feng shui are almost just commonplace and common sense in the in the right. world of design. You know, I, I personally don't like when stairs are the first thing you see when you open the front door. Yeah. And that's a big no-no in feng shui. Right. You can't have the energy spilling down the stair and out the front door. Right. You know, putting a mirror right at the front door is a bad idea. I mean, because in my perfect world, when you open the front door, the first thing you see is the light out the back. I want you to be able to see outside the second you step inside the house. And in a perfect design... Uh, you can see uh, nature no matter where you are in any room. I mean, obviously, if you're standing in a corner and staring right. in the corner, you're not going to be able to. But, you know, when I design a kitchen, I always try to make sure that if you're standing at the sink, you're able to, to, to look outside. Or if, like I said, if you enter into the front of the house, you can see directly out the back. People are photosensitive. We mm-hmm. want to be drawn to light. We go towards light. So what better way to, to invite people into your home than drawing them in? with the use of light. I love it. Wow, Tom Wall. <laughs> that is awesome stuff. I love it. Oh, thank you. So um, tell us where we find you. Ah, well, um, physically I'm all over the place, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the internet, uh, you can find us at uh, mitchellwall.com. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-W-A-L-L.com. Um I have a seldom used Twitter feed. <laughs> You're on LinkedIn. I, I am on LinkedIn. Um, I, I have a great t- uh, Twitter handle, though. It's a STL Architect. All right. So that's that that one I'm holding that's on to. That's very good. Do not get rid of no. that. And then, of course, my, my, my company has a, a its own Twitter feed and its own Instagram account and Facebook page, and as do I. So Very awesome. Well, thank you so much. I am so, so glad to know you. Aww. And it was that fabulous information, fun to learn about. Well, hopefully I to talk to you again. Absolutely. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Please make sure to go to iTunes and subscribe and everybody have awesome days. Thank you.